Om Ajnana Timarandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshuron Militam Yena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So we are continuing this uh, amazing pastime of Bali Maharaj and <clears throat> Vamana Dev. And uh, we are on chapter 22 today. And let me just, uh, yeah, okay. So Bali Maharaj surrenders his life. So we've heard how <clears throat> there's all this, uh, that Vamana Dev begged the dwarf Brahmana begged only two paces of land, uh, three paces of land, and in two, he covered the entire universe. So where to put the third? And so Bali Maharaj says, on his head. So Sukadev Goswami is talking to Maharaj Pritchett, and he says, O king, although the Supreme Personality of Godhead was superficially seen to have acted mischievously towards Bali Maharaj, Bali Maharaj was fixed in his determination. Considering himself not to have fulfilled his promise, he spoke as follows. Bali Maharaj said, O oh, best personality of Godhead, most worshipable for all the demigods, if you think that my promise has become false, I shall certainly rectify matters to make it truthful. I cannot allow my promise to be false. Please, therefore, place your third lotus footstep on my head. <clears throat> Purport. Bali Maharaj could understand the uh, no, uh, second sentence. <clears throat> Bali Maharaj took pleasure in understanding how the Lord will cheat his devotee to glorify the devotee's position. It is said that God is good, and this is a fact. <clears throat> Whether he cheats or rewards, he is always good. Bali Maharaj therefore addressed him as Uttama Shloka, your lordship, he said. You are always praised for the best of selected verses. On behalf of the demigods, you disguised yourself to cheat me, saying that you wanted only three paces of land. But later, you expanded your body to such an extent that with two footsteps, you covered the entire universe. Because you were working on behalf of your devotees, um, you do not regard this as cheating. Never mind, I cannot be considered a devotee. <laughs> Four people in the waiting room. Oops. Okay. There we go. Um, wow. So in the Bhagavad Gita, let me see if I can find that. Um, Krishna talks about uh, that he is the greatest cheater. If, if, uh, right? He, he mentions that in the Gita. Um, put that there. Do that. Let's see, it is uh, verse 36. It says, I am the gambling of cheats, and of the splendid, I am splendor. Prabhupada writes that there are many kinds of cheaters all over the universe. Of all cheating processes, gambling stands supreme and therefore represents Krishna. As a supreme, Krishna can be more deceitful than any mere man. The unfortunate commentator who wants to cheat Krishna and the public by saying that there is something greater than Krishna is cheated by Krishna. And the commentator cannot understand Krishna after 
any length of time. If Krishna chooses to deceive a person, no one can surpass him in his deceit. His greatness is not simply one-sided, it is all-sided. So, um, yeah. Um, just give me one second. I just got distracted by Sefti. I'll be with you in a second. I'm back. So, yeah, it, it, so it's an interesting concept, you know, because sometimes we think of um, God as the supreme goody-goody, you know, the person who always, you know, brought an apple to the teacher in the old days, or even if they didn't have uh, a question, they would stay after class to, you know, so the teacher would give them good grades or, you know, something like that, or, or walk old ladies across the street or, you know, whatever you think of. And of course, Krishna is all good. But this um, gives this complete picture of, of God that um, he sometimes cheats. Now, what? But the, the interesting thing is whenever he does that, he does it for the benefit of someone. Right. So he breaks the rules by dancing with other men's wives in the Rasa dance. But why does he do that? Because it's, it has nothing to do with them being married to someone. They, they love Krishna and he's reciprocating with their love. He, he breaks his promise that he will not take, take uh, sides in the battle. But then when Bhishma is almost killing Arjuna, then Krishna can't take it. And in order to simultaneously protect Arjuna and carry out the desire of Bhishma for Bhishma to see Krishna in that form, Krishna does that. So Krishna is, you know, what, what, what did I just read? Um, he's not one-sided, he is all-sided. And that is his, his greatness. So um, here in this uh, purport in, oh, I have to go back to where I was. In, uh, okay, first, read my Bible. Sorry, but I, um, in order to find that verse, I had to get out of other things. So, all right. So, um, so whether he cheats or rewards, he is always good. So you could say he cheated, uh, Bali Maharaj, but really did he? Bali Maharaj took shelter of him. He attained all success in his life. So it was all ultimately done for his benefit. So this is a meditation. And it's not an easy meditation. So it has to be very philosophically deep in us when we say God is all good. Because what, when you say that to the, to the average person, especially the person who has some doubts about that, they point to all the terrible things that have happened in the world, <clears throat> right? So how can God be all good if all those things happen? Well, there, you know, there's an there's explanations to that. First of all, Krishna, you know, we we brought this up several times. Krishna in the Gita doesn't say he says this world is a place of suffering. So you know, you can't blame him when he's just when it's just the way it, it is designed. It's designed that way because we try to. We try to live a life separately from God, separately from our actual intimate relationship. And there's going to be problems when we um, have a consciousness and act in a way that is not in line with who we truly are. So a better reaction is when things go wrong and there's problems in life, a, a, uh, a much better reaction 
<clears throat> to when there's difficulties in life is to say, yeah, well, Krishna said, Anityam Asukam Loka, Dukalayam Ashashvatam. He said it's a temporary and full of miseries. He says it several, many times in, in Bhagavad Gita. So I'm just experiencing what Krishna says. Um, but also those sufferings have a purpose to give us some impetus to question, is there something better? Is there something more to life? But this is so important for us as aspiring devotees to really sink into, and I'm speaking to myself more than to you all, to not expect things to go smoothly in the material world. They will not. Be surprised when they do, not when they don't. Right? There's always going to be that flat tire. These days, there's always going to be that delayed flight. Right? Um, there's always going to be, you know, too much of heat or too much of rain or too much of snow or too much of something. And there's always going to be a conflict with another person. It's just the very nature. Uh, like sugar is sweet, like, like a chili is spicy. This world is, uh, is a tough place. So a devotee accepts that very deeply into the core of their consciousness. That, but that isn't where it ends. Then, it, then the next step is, let me take shelter of Krishna. Let me appreciate how loving Krishna is, how wonderful Krishna is. Let me develop a relationship with Krishna so that even though all these things happen in the world, I actually, they don't ultimately affect me very much or at all if we're very advanced because we, we, um, we have that connection, that higher taste, Param Dvistva, that higher taste of being with Krishna. So, I mean, in Bali Maharaj, you know, because he was a devotee, yeah, it looks like he's in trouble. He's bound with ropes right now of, of Varuna, and he's totally embarrassed. He got, he was the king of the heavenly planets. Now he has nothing, absolutely nothing. And then if you read ahead to the end of the chapter, he gets so much. So devotee may go through so many trials, so many tribulations, um, but they should be, and we hear about this in uh, upcoming purports. They are uh, opportunities to bring us closer to Krishna. Questions, comments, thoughts on this verse number two? Krishna Prabhu, please all glories to Prabhupada. Thank you very much, Prabhu, explaining that uh, one realization I got I was as I was hearing is uh, no rule applies to the Supreme Lord. Um, he can do whatever he wants. He's always merciful to the devotees. You know, that is why he's just cutting all the rules. Like, you know, basically he, he's a controller and he's the protector. So uh, he does not he, he does not have to be constrained on anything. You know, he still uh, acts uh, just to uh, show his mercy that like how to live for others. And at the same time, for when he comes to the devotees, he does not care anything, no rules, nothing just for the devotee he wants. Um, he yeah. wants to serve the devotee. Yes, and it's not, yeah, yes, and I agree. It, it's, uh, I think a nice way to look at it, Shakshi Gopal Prabhu, is he's, he's not that he breaks rules, but that he follows the highest rule. When he seemingly breaks rules, He's actually just following a higher rule that is of bhakti, of love. And if you look at any time he seems to be so-called breaking rules, it's because he's doing that out of devotion to his devotee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, my words are wrong. Thank you, Prabhu. Thank you. No, for no, the no, your words weren't wrong. I was, they, were, they were right. They were just 
putting it in context. Context. So you, you had mentioned in a previous class, you know, Srila uh, Prabhupada would give sort of sometimes different instructions to his followers, depending on their uh, capabilities. Like for example, you mentioned one time he told one sannyasi to stay in one place, another sannyasi to travel. Right. So basically, depending on the circumstance, he would. Yes, that's true. Yes, and and um, that's right. And and also, we are meant to um, not let's see how how is it not try to imitate Krishna, right? So we can't do a rasa dance with you know many many unmarried uh, members of the opposite sex. Well, actually, before doing rasa dance, he lifted the Govardhan hill. Yes. <laughs> so if anybody claims they can do that, we can ask them to lift the. Govardhan Hill before. Yes, yes, Prabhupada said that just like that. Yeah, lift Govardhan Hill or, you know, before you, uh, he would say before you start smoking ganja and say that it's spiritual, Lord Shiva did it, well, first drink the ocean of poison. Mm -hmm. Very good, yes. Any other points? Henry says, everything good or bad is happening for us, not to us. Wow, that's heavy philosophy, Henry. And Jyoti is quoting Bhagavad Gita that as all surrender unto me, I reward them accordingly. Everyone follows my path in all respects. So son of Preet. Okay, well then we can carry on. Verse number three. I do not fear being deprived of all my possessions, which is pretty much just happened. Living in hellish life, which is also happening. Being arrested for poverty by the ropes of Varuna, that also happened. Or being punished by you as much as I fear defamation. So that's a real chatriya warrior kind of concept. Although a father, mother, brother, or friend may sometimes punish one as uh, as a well-wisher. In other words, you're not, yeah. As a well-wisher, these people may punish you. They never punish their subordinate like this. But because you are the most worshipful Lord, I regard the punishment you have given me as most exalted. Since your lordship is indirectly the greatest well-wisher of us demons. So indirectly. So directly or indirectly, Krishna is a well-wisher of everyone. You act for our best welfare by posing as if our enemy. Because demons like us always aspire for a position of false prestige. By chastising, you have given us the eyes by which to see the right path. Six and seven. Many demons who were continuously inimical toward you finally achieved the perfection of great mystic yogis. Your lordship can perform one work to serve many purposes. And consequently, although you have punished me in many ways, I do not feel ashamed of having been arrested by the ropes of Varuna, nor do I feel aggrieved. Um, so here in the purport, Prabhupada writes, thus Bali Maharaj can understand that the Lord had some hidden purpose in punishing him. So for us, it may be hidden, it may be clear as day, but when things happen to us, we look for the lesson and we look for the right response to that stimuli. And that's, you know, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's the challenge of life to generally we react to whatever our mind tells us to react, however our mind tells us to react. 
And our mind is usually influenced by one of the three modes of material nature. So it's a real challenge in life to react in a uh, way that's above the modes of material nature, that's examining the mind and seeing, is this thought favorable for Krishna consciousness or not? Because I find the mind is unbelievable. My mind is unbelievably expert at making excuses, at rationalizing an action. It's unbelievably expert at that. <laughs> so to, see, to kind of cut through that rationalizations and to say, no, Krishna says this, it's clear that I should be doing this, right? So that, you know, that the rationalizations usually are born of ignorance or passion, and ignorance is just like, oh, I'm too tired. I can't do X, Y, and Z, right? But the mode of passion is I'm so busy. I have so many important things to do in my day that I put my Krishna conscious sadhana on the back burner. But it's okay. Next time I won't do like that. So we rationalize so many different ways. But here it's, it's said instead of doing that, see Krishna's purpose see, or see if we can't understand Krishna's purpose, at least see what should be our most Krishna conscious reaction to what happens to us. Some questions, comments, thoughts on that? Nandimuki, any words of wisdom? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, I saw one, one message in the chat box. You see one message. Um, good and, you mean the Henry's one? Good and bad are coming, the only thing we control is our reaction, that one? And one next to that as well. I don't see another, I see, well, the one that Henry from before that, I, everything good or bad is happening for us, not to us, that one? And another one is good and bad are coming, the only thing we control is our reaction. Yeah, you like that point? Yes, and that is our practice as well. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the reality. <laughs> uh, any other points on this? Okay, then we will continue. My grandfather, Prahlad Maharaj, is famous, being recognized by all your devotees. Although harassed in many ways by his father, Hiranyakashipu, he still remained faithful, taking shelter at your lotus feet. Purport, uh, the first few lines, a pure devotee like Blood Maharaj, although harassed circumstantially uh, in many ways, never gives up the shelter of the Supreme Personality of God to take shelter of anyone else. A pure devotee never complains against the mercy of the Supreme Personality of God. So, you know, Prahlad Maharaj, this, I mean, imagine the tests that Prahlad Maharaj and and Bali Maharaj went through. Bali Maharaj, you know, your father's supposed to be your loving shelter. And first he tries to convince you of bogus ways of seeing the world, and then he tries to kill you, you know. Uh, and it's not like, it's not like Pallad said, you know, forget it, Krishna. Oh, come on, this is too much. You know, this is too much, you know. Um, I've been, I've been trying to be faithful to you and you're making it so damn hard, you know, just forget about it. I can't take it anymore. I'm, you know, going on my own. No, Prahlad Maharaj never did that. Um, a pure devotee never complains against the mercy of the Supreme Personality of God. Now that doesn't mean 
when we're going through some real challenges in our life, it really helps to talk to some other people that you trust, especially, of course, devotees of Krishna, and get some perspective. So it's not that, you know, when we're going through some difficulty, we can't say, whoa, this is so hard, instead of saying, oh, it's all Krishna's mercy, and, you know, kind of in a superficial way, without much realization. So if we're not Prahlad Maharaj, on the level of Prahlad Maharaj, Bali Maharaj, um, that's, that's okay. But we can inch in that direction, and especially with the help of uh, some friends, some devotees, maybe some senior devotees sometimes. As the Beatles say, you get by with a little help from your friends. Um, yeah, but that's, that, is a, that is a great consciousness. A pure devotee never complains against the mercy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Anything else? Okay. Text number nine. What is the use of the material body which automatically leaves its owner at the end of life? And what is the use of all one's family members who are actually plunderers taking away money that is useful for the service of the Lord in spiritual opulence? What is the use of a wife? She is only the source of increasing material conditions. And what is the use of family, home, country, and community? Attachment for them merely wastes the valuable energies of one's lifetime. So, you know, there's many um, references like this. We read them in the fifth canto when um, um, Bharat Maharaj was speaking to his brothers. Is that right? Now, you know, so we, we, there's a, um, there's a spiritual context to this and a cultural one. Um, when we hear something like, what is the use of a wife? Uh, obviously, he's not talking about a Vaishnavi, a, uh, a wife who is a devotee of Krishna and is, you know, what he, what he, what is being said here is, well, let's read it again. What is the use of the material body? So that's the first thing. Forget about the wife. What's, what's the use of your own body, which automatically leaves its owner at the end of life? So trying to cut through that illusion that I am this body. And then everything else is kind of connected to that first sentence. What is the use of all one's family members? Because they're also bodies, right? Uh, well, there's souls that have a material body that will leave their owner at the time of death. We're actually plunderers uh, taking away money that is useful for the service of the Lord in spiritual opulence. We're actually plunderers. So, if uh, so, so the idea here is that many people in the world, and this is pious people, not bad people. Pious people think I have to work hard and get enough money to maintain my family. That's that's actually responsible. This 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 the this is not you know this in bygone ages you didn't have to worry about people being the Maya was being responsible but not Krishna conscious. Now the Maya is that, but it's also mainly being irresponsible. You know the hell with my my kids, my wife. You know I'm going off and you know doing something else on my on my own or whatever. Um, but the idea, so the idea here, though, is that material, you know, that, that a, a non-devotional material situation, uh, as pleasant as it may be, doesn't last forever. 
And if our consciousness is focused solely on that and not connecting it, as it says here, with the service of the Lord, then it's it's here today, gone tomorrow. You know, Lord Brahma lives for 311 trillion years. We, you know, we are with our family for 50 or 60 years. It's it, like that. What is the use of a wife? She is only the source of increasing material conditions. Well, yes, that, so it's, so this is looking at it from that point of view that the only goal of life is liberation, not the practical point of view that, you know, hey, I, you know, this wife is, my wife is a nice person and we have a good relationship and we're taking care of one another. You know, that's, this is coming from a different angle of vision. What is use of family, home, country, and community? Attachment to them merely wastes the valuable energy of one's life. So um, this reminds me, uh, society and love. There's a, uh, Prabhupada would, was very, uh, um, he liked to uh, quote uh, the poet uh, Cowper. Um, and it's, uh, I can't remember the name of the poem. I probably could find it real quick, but it was a, uh, let me see if I can find it really quick. Ah, yes. Alexander uh, uh, Selkirk's. So he, you know, I think we mentioned this some time ago, but he um, he was shipwrecked for some time and then found maybe five or six years. So he's on an island all by himself. And the poem, the poet writes, uh, society, friendship, and love divinely bestowed upon a man. So that, you know, he, he is just, he's, he's stuck on this island and he's just hankering for society, friendship, love. And Prabhupada would quote that often, that this is the goal of a materialistic person, that for this, in this lifetime, focus in this lifetime as a human being, just, oh, what I really want. You know, he didn't say, I want God's mercy. I want society. I want friendship. I want love. Um, in the materialistic sense of the term, or at least that's how Prabhupada took it. Um, uh, am I checking the waiting room? No, I have, but I haven't seen anyone in the waiting room right now, Henry. Thank you. But I will make you a co-host just in case anyone comes. There we go. Um, yeah, so mm, attachment for them merely wastes the valuable energy of one's lifetime. So. I'm just trying to, you know, because somebody might read this and say, wait, you know what? Um, this, they might have, they might find it challenging to uh, apply this in their life. Um, so I wanted to put that in context. Any questions, comments? Yeah, like the Grihasta versus Grihamedi lifestyle. Very nicely put. Yeah, Grihasta versus Grihamedi. Yeah. Very good. Any other thoughts? I have a question of Prabhu. Yes, Nani Muki. Yes, just uh, I think from uh, our point of view is these assets, material body, family members, one's uh, spouse or the family, home, country, community, they are provided for us and they have a, they have a purpose and there is a way to use it to engage them so that the ultimate goal is achieved. Nice. Yes. And, and I like the way you put the ultimate goal. But if we think that 
in its of itself is the ultimate goal. That is what's being um, cautioned here, right? Yeah, and in that way, we are cheated by the greatest cheater. Yeah, <laughs> very well said, Nandimuki. Very well said, uh, Anandarupa and Jivatapa. Yes, so, uh, so this is a great lesson for us as well, because when we look at someone, we cannot just determine the, you know, the depth of the person from the previous behavior. Yeah, Bali Maharaj is the same person as the other Daityas, the descendants of Dites. He was bewildered by Mohini. And here, when Vamandev appeared, he surrendered himself fully. So same personality in two different situations became, you know, behaved very differently, but he's exalted, you know, he's one of the Mahajanas, he's glorified us because of his full surrender to Lord Shikesha in this instance. Nice. Thank you. Yes. Very well put. Okay. Text 10. My grandfather, the best of all men, who achieved unlimited knowledge and was worshipful for everyone, was afraid of the common men in this world. Being fully convinced of the substantiality afforded by shelter at your lotus feet, he took shelter at your lotus feet against the will of his father and demoniac friends who were killed by your own self. Only by providence have I been forcefully brought under your lotus feet and deprived of all my opulence. Because of the illusion created by temporary opulence, people in general who live under material conditions facing accidental death at any moment, do not understand that this life is temporary. Only by providence have I been saved from that condition. So here he's, you know, he's giving more context to that verse that we had described just now that he, you know, Kamala, Dala, Jala, Jivana, Talamala, that, 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 um, that means that just as the, uh, the waxy part of the lotus uh, leaf, if, if water drops on it because it's waxy, the water can just fall off. And that's compared to our situation in the material world where death can happen uh, at any time. And that we don't remember that this life is temporary. And, and therefore, in the verse previously that didn't have a purport, uh, why was the great hero, Talad Maharaj, afraid of the common men? Because we are very affected by our association and the common man is absorbed in the temporary. And so by their association, we can also get caught up in the temporary. In the purport to 11, it says about uh, the second paragraph, actually everyone should fear the so-called, so-called society friendship of love for which he works so hard all day and night. As indicated by Bali Maharaj, by the words, Janad Bita, every devotee in Krishna consciousness should always be afraid of the common man engaged in pursuing material prosperity. Such a person is described as Pramata, a madman chasing the will of the wisp. Such men do not know that after a hard struggle for life, one must change his body with no certainty of what kind of body he will, re he will receive next. Those who are completely established in Krishna conscious uh, philosophy and who therefore understand the aim of life will never take to the activities of the materialistic dog race. <laughs> dog race. But if a sincere devotee somehow does fall down, the Lord corrects him and saves him from gliding down to the darkest regions of hellish 
life. So this is um, one time Lord Chaitanya was asked, how do you recognize a devotee? And he said, Asat Sangatyag e Vaishnav Achar, that they give up the association of people who are absorbed in the Asat. Sat means eternal, Asat means temporary. And instead they find association with devotees. So this, uh, anytime we associate with uh, someone or, or we go on a different page of the internet, it makes impressions in our mind as some scars they're called. So we want to have good some scars in our mind um, and Krishna conscious some scars. So questions, comments on this? Yeah, I, I actually have a question about that. It's something I've been kind of, um, I don't know, struggling with a bit. Uh, so <clears throat> there are elements of, of my family, for instance, that, uh, you know, they're not Krishna conscious, to, to say the least. I mean, they're not like terrible people or anything, but, uh, you know, um, in particular, like the Greek side of my family that I uh, really uh, grew up with, um, cousins and whatnot that are almost grew up with like uh, siblings and they've kind of slowly drifted out of my life and actually um, my wedding was really the last kind of time that I uh, associated with a lot of them and I felt like that was sort of a um, just this nexus point where it was clear I was kind of um, just changing and I, I think they didn't entirely know how to uh, interpret it and stuff like that so you know we never had a falling out but we just sort of drifted away right and right. these similar things happened um, with with college friends and to be sure there are stuff from earlier on in life that definitely there's some friction there but uh you know and and my my mom is like well you're drifting away from them you just gotta let go and it's not but there's a clearly something deep in my psyche that, that that's indicating to me that that's not fully the right way so for instance i have a half sister um, and i constantly think like it's just at some point one of us or someone who's close to the two of us is gonna pass away are we not gonna be at, at the at the funeral or is it not it, it's it creates a lot of um anxiety and, and on a very deep level something just doesn't seem write about it to me to the point that um you know i have bad dreams about this like there's something very deep that's saying that just cutting off and, and separating is is not not the right path so that that maybe that's uh true it it doesn't necessarily the way sometimes it's explained is is to be on guard right you know to you know don't uh like, okay, well, we'll, yeah, we'll just go get, you know, some hamburgers and fries anyway. It's not, it's only one time. You know what I mean? To, to let, to, to not, to not associate with people to the extent that we actually, you know, compromise our values. So we're not, we're not true to ourselves. Right. But, um, but, you know, most people that I know, devotees that I know, um, um, they keep in, they keep in touch with their family and, uh, um, um, I just went to see my, uh, my brother and sister Lord just the other day. They, they, the funny thing is they live five minutes from me now. 
but when I, I used to spend much more time with them when I lived in India. When I lived in India, we would come to America and we'd spend like, we would live three weeks in their house. <laughs> now I live five minutes away. I see them every few months. <laughs> so, you know, go figure. But, uh, um, you know, it, it's, it's a practical consideration. And uh, the, the idea is um, that we want to have deep relationships where we can reveal our mind in confidence and, and, and reveal our hearts to um, people who can understand where, our, where we're coming from and appreciate where we're coming from. Um, and I, I find that I can do that with people who are not you know, Krishna devotees to the extent that they appreciate my spiritual quest. I have several friends like that that I can actually have very good relations, you know, very deep relationships with because they, they respect what I'm doing and they appreciate it. They may not be devotees themselves, but they can appreciate that, right? Uh, and then with those that, um, um, so even at work, so I have a few people at work who are in that category. Most people at work, it's more, you know, a little more superficial, the, uh, the exchanges, things like that. So I don't think any, I, 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 so I guess I, last time you saw, I saw your family also at that wedding. I was at your wedding. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's no, there's no like um, prohibition from, you know, keeping in touch with, with family members, but it's, it's a, uh, but this, this verse is telling us to be careful not to, it, whether it's family members or, you know, the, the person in the next cubicle or whatever to, um, be cautious about protecting our our uh, bhakti. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a, a friend uh, who I talk to a lot about, you know, bhakti about spiritual things because they're you know they're a Sufi, but they really get what I'm trying to do, <laughs> you know, and so like that. Um, yeah, so I don't think we have, and and it's also from a just from a really psychological, you know, we all need people that we can count on. And so if we have devotees like that, that's super fantastic, right? But if not, you know, like for example, my brother's not a devotee, but I know I could count on him. If I like was in financial trouble or I needed a place to stay, I know I could stay in his basement. I know he would help me out, right? I know he'd have my back. So, you know, should I just like, Ignore, the, ignore him forever, you know, because of that? No, you know, uh, so, so we do need people in our life like that. Um, but, you know, so these verses are also saying that, you know, the whole, if, if, but that, if that's like the whole focus of your life, right? And many people are like that, right? It's either their family or their pets. That's my experience in the workplace. Uh, some people don't have children. They just, they just put, everything into their dogs or sometimes their cats, but I find more their dogs. Uh, we have someone, Dana has had the same two dogs for 15 years, right? Um, they've, they've been through so much in her life. Um, so I don't know if that's helping at all, Dean, but that, those are some thoughts. Yeah, that's, thank you. Yeah, any other thoughts on that or any other questions on this verse? And the thing is, we have changed. You remember there was a George Harrison song after he got into Krishna consciousness. Um, 
I've heard how some people have said that I've changed, that I'm not what I was, how it really is a shame. The thoughts in their head manifest on their brows like that thoughts from ill feelings they somehow arouse. Uh, but I'm grateful to anyone who is thoughtful and free for giving me hope while I search to see the light that has lighted the world. So it's a song about Krishna. And he talks about how, you know, he, he, uh, he really changed his way of seeing the world and that did adjust um, his friendships to some extent. I remember I really, really, really appreciated that song in the mid seventies when I was becoming interested in Krishna consciousness. Yeah. Okay. Um, can I, uh, can I ask one more question? Sorry. And uh, does, uh, is there ever a a part of these um, texts that discuss dreams at all? I know that's a little bit out of left field. So that's, I I won't ask you to get into it, but I'm just curious if it ever is a topic. Dreams are, uh, dreams are sometimes mentioned in the Vedic literature. Prabhupada Mm -hmm. would sometimes say, that uh, you've seen gold and you've seen a mountain and then you dream of a golden mountain. Uh, and uh, also, if, I, if somebody could help me with this, so maybe uh, Jiva or somebody, but I've also heard that sometimes you, you uh, get rid of your bad karma through bad dreams. And they, you know, it's one way of getting rid of some karma. Jiva, you ever heard that? Or Nandimukhi or... Sardia or anyone? So similar thoughts have been heard in this regard, Prabhu. So again, how we respond, that actually helps us overcome the bad karma. Because if we look at it, our life as we are living, thinking we are this body is also an illusion. So in the dream, we forget about the body and we are living in a subtle form. And our mind and intelligence, they are being driven. So if we are Krishna conscious, then we can respond appropriately and get rid of our karma, the reactions of our karma. If we are in material consciousness and we react and try to you know, avoid those situations or think that this is bad happening, we may just be accumulating. So it's our response is still, you know, that's creating the overall effect. Hare Krishna. Does that help? Yes. I can have a specific uh, references if you need later. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, Prabhupada does talk about how um, um, bad dreams are often a reaction to you know some of our bad activities in the past, and we're we're burning them off in that way. They're called swapnadrista, the evil spirits that cause bad dreams. I'm just looking at the different statements about bad dreams. Uh, he also um, talks about, um, oh, well, here's a different kind of view. Uh, good and bad dreams are equally unreal. <laughs> so, yeah, he used to talk about night dreams and daydreams, that we have dreams at night, which are obviously un- not real, right? But, but we're also, de- in our day, we're, that's what we were talking about. Because things are so temporary, it's actually dream-like and only relate to this one body, etc. So there was a, uh, even a, a devotee record album called Night and Day Dreams. Yeah. Okay, uh, let us carry on. Um, first number, 
I have to go back. I, I did a recent. Okay, verse um, 12. Sukadev Goswami said, O best of the Kurus, while Bali Maharaj was describing his fortunate position in this way, the most dear devotee of the Lord, look, <laughs> it just shows up. Prahlad Maharaj appeared there, like the moon rising in the nighttime. Then Bali Maharaj saw his grandfather, Prahlad Maharaj, the most fortunate personality whose dark body resembled black ointment for the eyes. His tall, elegant figure was dressed in yellow garments. He had long arms and his beautiful eyes were like the petals of a lotus. It was very dear and pleasing to everyone. Being bound by the ropes of Varuna, Bali Maharaj could not offer befitting respect to Pilad Maharaj as he had before. Rather, he simply offered respectful obeisances with his head, his eyes being inundated with tears and his face lowered in shame. When the great personality Pilad Maharaj saw that the Supreme Lord was sitting there, surrounded and worshiped by his intimate associates like Sunanda. He was overwhelmed with tears of jubilation. Approaching the Lord and falling to the ground, he offered obeisances to the Lord with his head. Balad Maharaj said, my Lord, it is your Lordship who gave this, this is, he's speaking to Ramanadev, who gave this Bali the very great opulence of the post of heavenly king. And now today it is you who have taken it all away. I think you have acted with equal beauty in both ways. Isn't that so nice that both are benedictions? Because his exalted position as king of heaven was putting him in the darkest of ignorance, dark, darkness of ignorance, you have done him a very merciful favor by taking away all his opulence. Material opulence is so bewildering that it makes even a learned, self-controlled man forget to search for the goal of self-realization. But the Supreme Personality of God in Narayana, the Lord of the universe, can see everything by his will. Therefore, I offer my obeisances unto him. And which means also unto you, meaning Pamanadev. Uh, so when we hear this material opulence is so bewildering, it makes even a learned self-controlled person forget the search for life. So how does that apply to us? You know, we I think it's it's almost like we are um, you know, the fish in water doesn't even recognize the water. We're so used to going on Amazon and buying something or just running to the store and getting more gas for the car. And, and, and it's just become such a part of our culture. And of course, for those of us on the call, at least, uh, at least Henry and I, you know, we can remember when there was just no computers, there was no internet. And, and even, you know, then you still had cars, you still had color TVs, still all kinds of distractions but not like the craze that it is today. As I always like to say, whatever happened in the good old days when kids would just sit around and watch TV all day. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> right. And, and we didn't have a TV in Vrindavan. So what happened, We could go, my son would just go out and play in the dirt and hang out and have a great time and be creative, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. And what to speak of thousands, you know, you know, we've just become so conditioned it's amazing that we've become conditioned to these things, cell phones, in just, what, 11 short years, right? Very short period of time, these smartphones have been out, maybe 12 years, but only at first well-to-do people had these. Um, it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible, the changes. So, yes, we do, in, in, in one way or another, we do really pursue material opulence. So, Gideon Goswami continued, O King Parikshit, Lord Brahma then began to speak to the Supreme Personality of Godhead with, in the hearing 
of Pralad Maharaj who stood nearby with folded hands. And I love that this is very interesting, this next verse. So here, Lord Brahma, you know, the founder of our Sampradaya is speaking. And what happens? But Bali Maharaj's chaste wife, afraid and aggrieved that seeing her husband arrested, immediately offered obeisances to Lord Vamanadev Upendra. She folded her hands and spoke as follows. So Lord Brahma stopped speaking. So Bali Maharaj's wife could say something. Amazing, huh? And here's what she said. Oh, my Lord, you have created the entire universe for the enjoyment of your personal pastimes. But foolish, unintelligent men, she's talking about her husband, have claimed proprietorship for material enjoyment. Certainly they are shameless agnostics. Falsely claiming proprietorship, they think they can give charity and enjoy in such a condition. What good can they do for you who are the independent creator, maintainer, and annihilator of the universe? In the beginning of the purport, Prabhupada writes that Bali Maharaj's wife, who was most intelligent, supported the arrest of her husband and accused him of having no intelligence because he had claimed proprietorship of the property of the Lord. Such a claim is a sign of demoniac life. And then a little further down the next paragraph, Bali Maharaj's wife accused Bali Maharaj of saying that although the Supreme Personality of God had arrested him, showing him extraordinary mercy. And although Bali Maharaj was offering his body to the Supreme Lord for the Lord's third step, he was still in the darkness of ignorance. Actually, the body does not belong to him, but because of his long-standing demoniac mentality, he could not understand this. He thought that since he had been defamed for his inability to fulfill his promise of charity, and since the body belonged to him, he would free himself from defamation by offering his body. Actually, however, the Lord, the body does not belong to anyone but the Supreme Personality of God by whom the body is given. So how many of us think like that, that this body actually is Krishna's property? It was given to us as a gift by Krishna. Um, okay, any questions, comments on that? Okay, then text um, 21. Now, Lord Brahma is speaking. And he says, oh, well-wisher, Master of all living entities, O worshipful deity of the dem of all the demigods, speaking to Vamanadeva, O all-pervading personality of God. Now this man has been sufficiently punished for you, um, um, for you have taken everything. Now you can release him. He does not deserve to be punished more. Bali Maharaj has already offered everything to your lordship. Without hesitation, he has offered his land, the planets, and whatever else he earned by his pious activities including even his own body. By offering even water, newly grown grass or flower buds at your lotus feet, those who maintain no mental duplicity can achieve the most exalted position within the material world. Thus, Bali Maharaj, without duplicity, has now offered everything in the three worlds. How then can he deserve to suffer from arrest? So this idea of without duplicity is mentioned twice here, especially in our relationship with Krishna, being very straightforward, being very honest, being very open, revealing our mind to Krishna in prayers, um, very powerful. So now Babanadev replies, my dear Lord Brahma, because of material opulence, a foolish person becomes dull-witted and mad. Thus he has no respect for anyone within the three worlds and defies even my authority. To such a person I show special favor by first taking away all his possessions. While rotating in the cycle of birth and death again and again, 
in different species because of his own fruitive activities, a dependent living entity by good fortune may happen to become a human being. This human birth is very rarely obtained. So that's something to keep in mind. There's 8,400,000 different species of life. Become a human being is rare and therefore should be taken advantage of. Purport. The Supreme Personality of God is fully independent. Thus, it is not always a fact. Now, this is interesting because it's, it's giving a more complete picture. Thus, it is not always a fact that a living being's loss of all opulence is a sign of the Supreme Lord's mercy upon him. The Lord can act any way he likes. He may take away one's opulence or he may not. There are varieties of forms of life, and the Lord treats them according to the circumstances as he chooses. Generally, it is to be understood that the human form of life is one of the greatest, is one of great responsibility. And then a little further down, therefore, every human being, especially when belonging to a civilized nation or culture, must be extremely responsible in his activities. He should not risk degradation in, his, in the next life, because the body will change to ta we should be extremely careful to see to the proper use of life is the purpose of Krishna consciousness. So two things here. It's not that everyone gets everything taken away. One devotee can also be opulent if Krishna so desires. And just how important the human form of life is and how important it is to be responsible in the human form of life and to make good choices. Really important. Some thoughts, questions, comments? I have a thought about it. What's that, um, oh. I have a thought. Okay. About it. Um, that, that's why I feel really grateful for the, my associations, especially in this community, because there are a lot of questions and experiences that I don't have yet. So to responsibilities that we have, or at least I have as being a human in this world amongst other people. So there's, um, yeah, that's why I'm just really grateful to be able to go to others for support and guidance. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. People help us become more responsible. Yes. And you're driving. Well, I'm parked at the moment. Oh, you're parked. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, Ananta Rupa or Jiva Tapuru? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, Ananta Rupa. I really liked it. It's mentioned here that uh, <clears throat> to see the proper use of life is the purpose of Krishna consciousness. Um, at different places, Prabhupada has worded the same uh, message beautifully in all different ways that what is the perfection of this life or how do we achieve the goal of this life? Right. How do we develop the divine qualities? How do we become happy? So everything, actually, everything he has explained repeatedly, you know, different purports, different chapters, all these Bhagavad Gita messages in Srimad Bhagavatam, we are kind of constantly reminding ourselves and we need that because yeah. we are constantly struggling um, in the three modes of nature. Uh, due to our environment, due to our association. And I'm just now remembering because I was recently reading, you know, Canto 5. There, is a, there are two beautiful chapters, chapter 13 and 14, where the material um, 
the material existence is described as dense forest of dense forest of dense forest of enjoyment yeah yeah enjoyment and spells so uh, however hard we may try unless we get the proper association unless we get the mercy of saintly souls there is no way out of it and so basically this rare precious human life is lost the soul is lost for a very long time in all different species so uh, to be able to understand the proper use of this life is a great responsibility and like uh, you know just now uh, who was that shanaz was mentioning uh, how grateful she feels to have such beautiful qualities of gratitude free from duplicity we were recently reading in past few verses you know having that simplicity uh, eventually helps in developing all these wonderful qualities which brings us closer to understanding what do we need to do to develop this careful attitude this mindful attitude mm -hmm. uh, we all have tendency to declare freedom from all control but actually we are not free we are under full control of material nature right so that's really wonderful these points elaborated in these verses thank you thank you so then we can continue 26 if a human being is born in an aristocratic family or a higher status of life if he performs wonderful activities if he is youthful if he has personal beauty a good education and good wealth and if he is nonetheless not proud of his opulences it is to be understood that he is especially favored by the supreme personality of god so this idea of being opulent and in the last sentence if one continues in his opulent position but does not become unnecessarily proud falsely thinking that he is the proprietor of everything that is the Lord's special mercy. So what is the Lord's special mercy? Being in the right consciousness. It's not being rich or poor. It's being in the right consciousness. That even if you're in a very opulent situation, if you're not proud, if you don't falsely claim proprietorship over everything, that is God's mercy upon us. Be in the right consciousness. In the first sentence, when in spite of possessing all these opulences a person is not proud this means that he is fully aware that all his opulences are due to the mercy of the supreme personality of god and you know even yeah our opulences are meager compared to bolivar he was the at one time in charge of all the whole universal affairs practically 27 although aristocratic birth and other such opulences are impediments to advancement in devotional service because they are causes of false prestige and pride. These opulences never disturb a pure devotee of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So yes, prestige and pride, false prestige and pride are detrimental. And if our if opulences lead us to that kind of consciousness, that's bad, but they don't necessarily have to. In the middle of the purport, Prabhupada writes that when a devotee is fixed in his devotional service, there is no need for the Lord to deprive him of his material opulences. The Supreme Personality of God never takes away material opulences achieved because of devotional service, although he sometimes takes away opulences achieved by pious activities. He does this to make a devotee prideless and put him in a better position in devotional service. So Krishna is dealing with us individually. Um, and so in this chapter, Prabhupada has several times quoted, yes, yaham manukri nami, that my special first installation of mercy is sometimes to take away 
one's material opulence. But here he's giving the full complete picture that if somebody's fixed in bhakti, then there's no need for Krishna to do that. It's when we're not fixed in bhakti that sometimes Krishna may do that to us. 28. Bali Maharaj has become the most famous among the demons and non-believers, although he's a believer and he's not a demon, but the family he's coming in. For in spite of being bereft of all material opulences, he is fixed in devotional service. Beautiful purport here in this verse. The word sidan api namuyati are very important. A devotee is sometimes put into adversity while executing devotional service. In adversity, everyone laments and becomes aggrieved. But by the grace of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, a devotee, even in the worst condition, can understand that he is going through a severe examination by the Personality of Godhead. Bali Maharaj passed all such examinations as explained in the following verses. So this is, this is we were talking about this at the beginning. This is a challenge, because there are gonna be adverse situations. There are gonna be difficulties, even as we're devotees. And seeing it as a test by the Lord and trying to pass that test is the right consciousness. So I'll do the next verse, then we can take Sipia because it's a similar point. Although bereft of his riches, fallen from his original position, defeated and arrested by his enemies, rebuked and deserted by his relatives and friends, although suffering the pain of being bound and although rebuked and cursed by his spiritual master, Bali Maharaj, being fixed in his vow, did not give up his truthfulness. It is certainly with pretension that I spoke about religious principles, but he did not give up religious principles, for he is true <clears throat> to his word. And Prabhupada continues the same line of argument as the last verse, that Bali Maharaj passed the severe test put before him by the Supreme Personality of God. And this is further proof of the Lord's mercy toward him. So big test, mercy. Supreme Personality of God, it sometimes puts a devotee in severe tests that are almost unbearable. One could hardly even live under the condition forced by Bali Maharaj. That Bali Maharaj endured all these severe tests and austerities is the mercy of the Supreme Lord. The Lord certainly appreciates the devotee's forbearance and it is recorded for the future glorification of the devotee. This was not an ordinary test as described in this verse. Hardly anyone could survive such a test. But for the further future glorification of Bali Maharaj, one of the Mahajans, or one of the 12 great teachers, the Supreme Personality of God had not only tested him, but also gave him the strength to tolerate such adversity. The Lord is so kind to his devotee that when severely tested, testing him, the Lord gives him the necessary strength to be tolerant and continue to remain a glorious devotee. So, that's quite a meditation that Krishna will not give us a test that we cannot pass. It may be difficult to pass. We may uh, stumble, but we can pass it by his kindness, by his grace. So this is very instructive, you know, to see the challenges that come up in our lives as tests um, and to try to be faithful. And, and of course, fail five, fail five times, 10 times, 20 times. But keep trying the 21st time, and Krishna will help those that help themselves. So, some thoughts on this? Nope, nobody wants to talk about their tests. The Lord continued, 31. Because of his to great tolerance, I have given him a place not attainable even by the demigods. He will become 
king of the heavenly planets during the period of the Manu known as Suvarni, 32. Until Bali Maharaj achieves the position of king of heaven, he shall live in, on the planet Sutala, which is made by Vishvakarma, who's a, a great famous uh, architect, according to my order. Because it is especially protected by me, it is free from mental and bodily miseries, fatigue, dizziness, defeat, and all other disturbances. Bali Maharaj, you will now go live there peacefully. So imagine going to a place, no mental, bodily miseries, fatigue, no dizziness. Wow. Text 33. Oh, Bali Maharaj, Indrasena. Now you may go to the planet Sutella, which is desired even by the demigods. Live there peacefully, surrounded by your friends and relatives. All good fortune unto you. Prabhupada writes, when the Supreme Personality of God deprives his devotee of material opulences, this does not mean that the Lord puts him into poverty. Rather, the Lord promotes him to a higher position. The Supreme Personality of God did not ask Bali Maharaj to separate from his family. Instead, the Lord allowed him to stay with his family members. So, so here, the family members obviously are not interrupting, not uh, being detrimental to his bhakti. And so, um, you know, he stayed with them. But this whole idea that um, we don't know, you know, the person who uh, is a very poor in this life, maybe, you know, well, I would, you know, give away my age, maybe a Rockefeller in the next life or whatever, you know, um, we don't, we don't know what our future lives are going to be. I don't know if it would be scary or it would be weird if we knew, <laughs> but we don't have to worry about that because we don't. But again, the Bhagavatam is always, you know, the Bhagavad Gita is always trying to get us to sometimes see beyond this, this one body that we have and remind us that we've had thousands and thousands and thousands of different. So just a few more verses. On the planet Sutala, not even the predominating deities of other planets want to speak of ordinary men will be able to conquer you. As far as the demons are concerned, if they trans transgress your rule, my disc will kill them. <laughs> oh, great hero, I shall always be with you and give you protection in all respects, along with your associates and paraphernalia. Moreover, you will always be able to see me there. Because there, will, uh, because there you will see my supreme prowess, your materialistic ideas and anxieties that have arisen from your association with the demons and Dhanavas will immediately be vanquished. Report. The Lord assured Bali Maharaj, of all protection. And finally, the Lord assured him of protection from the effects of bad association with the demons. Bali Maharaj certainly became an exalted devotee, but he was somewhat anxious because his association was not purely devotional. The Supreme Personality of God therefore assured him that his demoniac mentality would be annihilated. In other words, by the association of devotees, the demoniac mentality is vanquished. Satam prasangan mamavirya sangvito mavanti hritkarna when a demon associates with devotees engaged in glorifying the Supreme Personality of God, he gradually uh, becomes a pure devotee. So that's one of the themes of today's class, association, association, association. So important. So questions, comments, thoughts? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, Nandamukhi. I, when, when, when you first read text 33 that uh, Vamana Dev asked Bali Maharaj to go to the he uh, hellish 
heaven. Uh, no, 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 not heaven. Like the planet below the earth right. realm. And I, I questioned whether Valley Maharaj will be willing to go there because that means uh, his separation from Vamana Dev. And then it reveals that Vamana Dev promised, I just, I will go there as well. So don't right. worry about that. Right. Yes, yes. And Krishna will go with us where, Krishna goes with us everywhere, right? He's in our heart. And great devotees see that, like when Chitra Maharaj was cursed by poverty, he, you know, he accepted it immediately. Oh, that this must be the will of the Lord. And, you know, I will remember Krishna in that situation. So that's our challenge to be following the footsteps of those devotees. So that, yeah, but you're right. Krishna directly in the role of Vamana, they've said, I'll, I'll protect you. I'll your chokidar, your guard. Thank you for that. Okay. So if there's nothing else, anything else? Well, yeah, I, I can add something. Um, okay. I think, I think um, you know, a lot of times these, these stories, it's very obviously exalted, advanced individuals. They're in direct contact um, with the Supreme Personality in some form or another. Uh, um, maybe it's a little bit hard when you're just a normal uh, guy <laughs> to apply it, you know, or... Uh, yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so, but at the same time, yes, I, I agreed with. I agree with you. Additionally, having some high standard to shoot for is is good. As long as we don't think that if we fall anywhere short, that we're useless, right? But rather to see it as a you know step by step process. But it is the reality is we can. We are we are created to achieve that position. It is our natural position to be a great devotee, um, and at the same time, um, to understand we're not there yet. And you don't just uh, you know you don't strut into Vaikuntha. You kind of crawl into Vaikuntha, right? You know the, the idea that um, we just have to take it one step at a time and and pass the try to pass the tests that Krishna puts in front of us rather than the kind that were given to Pralad Maharaj or Bali Maharaj. So I think if we're in the right, if we develop the right attitude towards these very high examples, I think that can be really favorable, really, really good for us. But like you're indicating, which, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm accepting also, if we look at it kind of in the wrong way, I'm just a useless idiot. I, I, I could never be like Bali Maharaj or Pralad Maharaj or whoever. Um, can get discouraging because we seem so far away. But it's even said that the most uh, successful faith-based organizations are the ones that challenge the congregation and not to say, you know, you're okay. It's all good. No, but there's like, a, and Prabhupada also told us that one time that the secret of management is to offer ever fresh challenges. Because there's some, there's also some real, even from a mundane point, there's some real self-esteem uh, boosts when we can um, set out to do something, we actually do it. So yeah, the examples are, are maybe, you know, out of our league, but 
And therefore, there's a difference between imitating and following in the footsteps. Following the imitating, we can't imitate uh, these great souls, but we can try to follow in their footsteps as best we can. How's that? Thanks. Okay. Anything else? Okay, so it looks like we have one more chapter in this great pastime, and it's a pretty short chapter, so it's very likely we can finish that. You know, like I said, a chapter a week. It's pretty good. Um, and then we start to hear about Matsya, the fish avatar. So thank you very much, everyone. And uh, we will see you next week. Thanks. Thank Thank you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank, Thank you. you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. See who goes first. Arbol Henry. What about our trip? I mean, what are you here? Yeah, well, I could go starting the 26th morning. Okay. 25th, I have this training, which I think, you know, it's virtual, but my guess is it would be hard to do in the car. Um, unless we, you know, drive early in the morning and stop someplace where I can, you know, get the Wi-Fi. Mm. Um, but you just need a ride to the Albany Airport. You know, basically, I'm supposed to pick up a rental car at noon on the 25th at the Albany Airport. You uh -huh. know, because I need to have my own car up there because I wouldn't be going to Boston with you. No, no. So you were going to go and stop at Super Soul Farm for a couple of days and then go to Boston. And no, uh, you are maybe I'm planning. I would maybe just stay there for a few hours. I, a I, few I, hours. OK. Actually, I have to figure out a place to stay in Boston. That's a good. Very expensive hotel rooms up there. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I think I'll stay with the devotee. Um, call Rati Krishna. He I think he lives there. Radhi Krishna and his wife is Kaveri, the famous artist. Uh -huh. wow. It looks like they have a nice house. Yeah. They're very nice devotees. Gotcha. Okay. So maybe I'll do that then. <laughs> That's what his disciple of Dhanandamaraj? Yes. He's, yeah. And he does. He's very efficient. He's and he very, lives in Boston? He, yeah, he, yeah. He lives in Boston. I'm pretty sure. Yes. He definitely lives in Boston. I can't 100% say, but I've seen some pictures. She has a nice, they, in their house, she has a nice studio, and it looks, there, there's grass outside and trees. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> All right, so, so, that, so that is a possibility. Um, uh, yeah. In, but you wanted to go on the 25th? Yeah, I wanted to go on the 25th. Yeah, I'm not sure how I would do that. But I, I could back out of anything at any time now, you know. Yeah, you've been doing that a lot lately. I know. I feel like I've, like, destroyed all my credibility or something like that. Um, but I think people understand, you know, with um, with the COVID and everything like that. Um, yes. You know, um, yeah. um, you know um, so, I mean, what I was going to do was actually go fly on the 25th and spend a few uh, the afternoon at Super Soul Farm, and then the, on the twenty sixth drive up to Vermont to the you know even though it's, it's and when I go up to Vermont, it it's going to be my birthday, but no one's going to know that. It's kind of funny because I'll be kind of a secret birthday. But really? I'm really I'm really kind of curious about this hundredth anniversary. And, and I want to see and go back to that beautiful Vermont farm and, but you know, where I spent some of my youth and um, I just, uh, right now, Prahlad is, is, is digitizing my,
brother's 1957 photographs and um you know um and and by the way so there's some photographs of these camp kids you know maybe 10 11 12 years old dressed as indians with really? all over themselves and anything is there a reason i shouldn't post that picture on <laughs> maybe it's uh it, 10 years ago would be no problem but you mean i mean this there's one picture that is so cool i mean it could be the cover of like boys life 1955 it's just sure. such a great picture of these kids dressed up as indians you know, and um, but I, it's like just I'm thinking that like just because of some political thing, you can't enjoy you, it was kids having a good time. They didn't know, you know, they, you know, yeah. but anyway. oh, you're trying, your call. Some people, yeah, some people think so it's somebody might be offended just to see that picture. Cultural appropriation, they call it. Right. Um, uh, yes. Anyway, so um, I'm actually going to make I actually want to make a T-shirt of that and of my i'm going to have a t-shirt of my brother of, of 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 me and a couple of my friends on the front and on the back it's going to be my brother and that and it, that i'm going to wear to the reunion that'll have like the 60s on the front and the 50s on the back it's a reunion of who it's a reunion it's a it's not a reunion it's more it's the 100th anniversary of the summer camp that was very powerful in my brother's life and in my life. It was a camp in Vermont? Yeah, it's a summer camp in Vermont, the camp with the pioneer spirit. Uh, my brother went as a camper for five years. He became a counselor. He was in charge of the horses. You know, I went as a camper for four years. I got, I took the master photography class up there. That's why I'm a videographer and a uh -huh. photographer today, because, you know, they helped me. And, you know, it was just a great thing for kids to get out of the city and learn how to play in the woods and, you know, and uh, not stay at home and watch TV. I mean, I'm, I'm really thankful to these people, but I could cancel. But there's really nobody in particular that's a really good friend that i'm going to see you know uh -huh. it's just kind of i've been making new friends you know kind your of your birthday is the 28th my birthday is the 26th and um, you know i'm going to be stopped i'm you know and um right i'm not even telling i'm not going to tell anybody it's my birthday up there <laughs> okay all right let me let me get back to you on that all right uh but, uh, let's, but yeah, but, yeah. Um, i definitely have to be in boston that weekend for sure Okay, then maybe I can come back. No, you'll have a car full of books. I'll have a car full of books. Do you really have enough room for all those books? I don't know. Room? I'll do what I can. Right. I mean, and, and they're for the which library? Uh, well, ultimately, I have to get them to BT. Right. So, um, you know, um, then maybe, you know, you better, you know, maybe you should be flying up there and renting a one-way van, you know, to bring them this far down, you know, because maybe it's more than you can fit in your car, you know, and um, you don't uh, want to leave, you don't want to leave a lot behind. Maybe you could get somebody to sponsor the, you know, the van rental, if it's enough books and if they're useful to the library. I'll look into that. I'll look into that. Yeah. That yeah. may be a better idea. Yeah. Okay. okay. All I right. Go, but the good seeing you. Hi, okay. Krishna. Hi. Bye. Bye.